When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Charged Up Studio Live, where small business owners get charged up for success. Are you a small business owner? Do you find yourself struggling through the many responsibilities that come with the title entrepreneur? Well, we're here for you. Charged Up Studio is hosted by Market Academy LLC, your prescription for what we call OPA. What is OPA? It's when you become so overwhelmed with the confusion that comes with business ownership that you become paralyzed and ultimately avoid doing anything in hopes it will take care of itself or you put it off till later. Does that sound familiar? I'm your host, Dan Olivo, and each week we bring a business professional eager to charge you up as they talk about the many things that keep you from moving forward with your small business. So are you ready to get charged up for success? Let's hit it. So welcome back to Charged Up Studio, where we bring you insightful conversations with industry leaders and experts. I'm Dana Olivo, your host, And today we're continuing our monthly focus on the power of purposeful marketing, integrating business strategy and spiritual energy. What better way to tap into the universe and spiritual energy than the revitalization of historical ghost towns and bringing them back to life. Today's guest is Tommy D. I'm not even gonna try pronouncing his last name. A real estate developer and co-founder of the Buckeye OZ Fund. Today, he is going to take us on a journey converting rural ghost towns into profitable business ventures. Good morning, Tommy. Good morning, Dana. How are you? I'm doing good, doing good. You intrigued me when we had our our call before on what you guys are doing out there in Arizona and everywhere else with with these rural areas. So I'm a big history buff. We talked about that. So This is fascinating to me. So before we get started, I have a very important question to ask you. So are you ready? Yes, please. Okay. So if you could go back in time and give your young self some solid advice, what advice would you give him and at what age? Uh, Probably about seven years old. I would would go back to the young Tommy and... uh, and tell them it was okay to not be right on everything. Isn't that interesting? This is the first time I've heard that. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's the first time uh, I've heard. I ask this question on every podcast. <laughs> well, I grew up and was um, I was somewhat mistaken on on just vocabulary. Like when people would talk to me, I would say right, right, right. Like, or my dad would say do this, I'd say I know. You know, and as a child, I, I had to grow out of that. Um, mm-hmm. 
and and the experiences I had growing out of that were rough because yeah. I didn't want to seem like a know-it-all. I didn't want to seem like a an expert. Um, so it made it rough for me to feel validated when when I learned that I needed to be more listener and, and less spokesman, you know. Yeah, that's true. So, that's where vulnerability comes in. Yeah. So when we talked earlier, I was very intrigued with what you and your partners were doing to revitalize these world deserted land opportunities. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in this? Absolutely. Um, I was, I've been a developer for, for better part of 20 years. I took some time off for uh, between uh, the last housing bubble and, and this one. Uh, to expand into healthcare, and it, and it taught me some things going that route. Um, but after COVID uh, happened, um, I realized that if I was going to make a a legacy or 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 something for my grandchildren to remember me by, I needed to do what I was good at, and that was development. And I felt that by um, developing like a campground or some kind of generational wealth project. I've been building subdivisions and and building multifamily and commercial development for a long time. Uh, I just never thought about building my own retirement, you know, out of a, you know, out of a campground. Um, so when I started looking at what it took to raise the money, build the capital, do all the stuff necessary to start a campground, I found there was a gap between what I could raise for single family residents uh, that makes very little return on investment and $10 million where I would do syndication and have multiple partners or strategic partners involved to achieve the development of the, of the campground. And what happened was I found this loophole in the government by doing a little research. It's not even a loophole. It's an incentivized program that was developed uh, by a, a uh, what do they call it, bipartisan action between a Republican and a Democrat, um, they, they came up with a way to develop in economically depressed areas and, and build them up. And so about two years ago, I, I, I went from wanting to build my, my campground and dedicating land to it. Like, for example, our model was to be a nonprofit organization as well as a for-profit campground. We were gonna dedicate a portion of the land to uh, a monument for the Apache Wars. And from doing that dedication, we would have attention and people coming out to give us money to sleep on the campground. That idea was taking a long time. And so it was a little, we didn't lose that idea. We didn't lose that dream, but we realized that we needed to go a different way around it. And as a developer, I was able to know some people that when I told them what I was doing, they're like, oh, well, what you need is a real estate investment trust or what you need is a private equity fund or what you need is uh, some joint ventures or you need venture capitalists or whatever, uh, like right. whatever vehicle they are used to doing to do these big projects is what they were advising me to get into. So how I ended up in ghost towns was uh, I already do a lot of off-road exploring as a kid, I read Westerns about Louis L'Amour uh, and the areas that he spoke about. And I came out here six, seven years ago when I was working as a registered nurse. I only had I only had to work six days to get eight days off. 
So what you know, what do you do aside from spend money? But I went out and and explored all of the great areas in Arizona that uh, that I recalled reading about as a kid. And so um, in in discovering those areas, I found areas that were um, popular by the off-roading community, but also by the solar panel community and the farming community and the ranching community. So there's there was a lot of interest in these ghost towns. Right. And so when I started looking at doing a campground and the experience that I had, like it was it was easily sixteen hundred bucks a weekend to go party out in the desert uh, just for me, you know, and then I would go out there with my brothers and my friends and people from work. And I mean, at the end of the trip, you'd look at where we spent our money and we didn't really give it to one directly to one person, but it cost us a, a pretty penny to go out there and have this hobby of off roading and camping. I thought, how could I make that cheaper? And that's where the dream started. And then when I learned about the Opportunity Zone program, I was able to then figure out geographically where to start these things. And it just so happened to be in areas that we already explored and went to. That's where the spiritual connection for me comes in. It's kind of like I just kept getting pushed in this direction by the universe. You go, land over that's here. That's exactly it. You follow the science. Now, when we talk about campgrounds, we're not talking about true campgrounds like a tent and stuff. We're talking about glamping, right? Everything in between. So when we talk about, uh, I, I say that we turn ghost towns into glamp grounds. And that means that if you come out to our, our glamp grounds, you'll be uh, staying in a Conestoga wagon that was uh, a replica of what they pulled out to the frontier. Um, glamping is not just about having uh, luxurious accommodations. It's also about the experience that you're getting. And so, yes, we have luxury tiny homes that will be on the uh, on the property. We have uh, the uh, dome uh, uh, geodomes uh, that that are like 24 foot round and they've got the, you know, the, the uh, uh, see through ceilings so that you can watch the night sky all night long. But honestly, glamping is about people that don't want to do the work in camping. So when we offer a just a basic six-man pup tent with an air mattress, you don't have to come out and set it up, find your spot, put up your fire pit, do all the work to just sit down and relax before you get tired. You know, like that was what happened whenever I went camping. Spending six hours getting it set up made me yeah. just want to sit for about an hour and go to bed. Yeah. So what we... Yeah, what we want to provide out there and, and actually what the, the operators, because I've, I've stepped out of being the, the campground owner into the campground financier, and <laughs> um, we, uh, we're starting four campgrounds with four other joint venture partners, and um, we're going to be financing them, but th the point is, is that when I go out there, I want to walk up, I want to check into the tent like it's a hotel room. I want to enjoy it like it's a it's a resort, and then I want to leave it like it's a you know like it's a, 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 a timeshare, and for somebody else to clean up, you know, yep. Uh, yep. just like at a hotel room. So the Ritz Carlton um, would probably okay. provide you with a tent if you asked them to, because that's their business model. And yep. so my business model was be the Ritz Carlton, but not the Ritz Carlton, you know. So yeah. do the same thing they do. Just do it in the desert. And you provide, um, uh, you know, the, the food and, and you, like you said, off-roading and things like that. So it's an adventure when they go out there. It's, it's I'm, I'm trying to get people to understand it's like Disney in the desert. 
That's a good description. That's a good description. Very interesting. Very interesting. So I know Buckeye OZ is the investment side of the operation, but I'd like to focus more on the development side in the beginning if I can. Okay. So what are the main challenges faced when revitalizing rural abandoned ghost towns? Number one thing is relationships. Um, you have to start with relationships. You have to know who you're going to be neighbors with. Some of your neighbors are, are government, some of the largest government entities in the, in the world. You know, but the Bureau of Land Management uh, is not a preservation company. Uh, it is not a federal government uh, entity to protect land. They're a land banker. And so a lot of people don't even know that you can petition the Bureau of Land Management to sell you the property if you have a better economical viable source of income for that property than what they're using it for at that current time. So um, if the Bureau of Land Management is just leasing the land to the rancher and you say that you know that there's a, a better uh, opportunity for, um, say, for example, you're going to open a chicken farm and grow, grow eggs and, and, and employ 35 people, the Bureau of Land Management will look at or has to look at the opportunity to give you that property and do that interesting so, interesting oh okay all right so how do you identify those potential opportunities for economic development well uh, again it started for me as a lifestyle opportunity i mean as a registered nurse i was making enough money i could buy the land and just have it as a private campground for my family but in order for it to be an economic development project, it has to employ other people and it has to be of service to the rest of the community. Right. And so um, when I was looking at different opportunities to fund my project without giving away equity to, say, a, somebody who's completely not in, in the same boat as, as we are, say they're, uh, for example, a solar panel farm, and, and I fight up against solar panel people a lot, because that's the the new hot thing. That's the buzzword. Right. Solar panels are right. great, but they're only great as long as they're not covering up a a a, a, a the desert floor that has an a, an amazing amount of wildlife and 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 plant life that is getting destroyed. Right. So right. you know, part of our mission is to educate people about solar panel farms and petition. You know, we'll pay for it. We want to we want to come up with a program where we pay for the solar panels to be taken out of the desert and put on the buildings that are back in the city. And we want to put it on the roofs and we want to put it over the parking lots and we'll pay for it. We just want to get it out of the desert. Well, so, that's what I was uh, thinking of. Yeah. Is why couldn't we put them on top of buildings to collect the sun as opposed to on the desert? It costs floor? it costs more money. That that's wow. always about the money. It's because you're they're they're able to buy the desert just like I do at two cents a square foot. Yeah. So when you have no cost for where you put this, you don't care where you put it, you know. Um, and so that's unfortunate because they're putting it over the top of stuff that that has been abandoned for over eighty to one hundred years. It's part of the uh, 1849 gold rush trail. It's part of the Apache tribes that were eliminated to make that gold, you know, gold rush possible. You know, a lot of people don't realize that the Apache wars are a war that was fought on U.S. soil that has not one monument on U.S. soil about it. So um, that was what we were going to do as a nonprofit organization was build a uh, monument to the Apache wars. 
and and have a recognized spot, a monument for that on our campground property, which would right. have been the attraction to bring people right. out there to go camping and off-roading and do the Disney desert stuff. Um, so where we, how we got to the, the development of it. I mean, I've been doing development since I was 17 years old with my dad. We'd look at a cornfield and know that there was 240 houses and a water plant that needed to go out there. So, you know, um, drawing that on a piece of paper was what we would do. And then we'd hand that to a guy with a computer and another guy with a lot of money. Right. And we'd come up with a development for 240 single family homes and a water distribution plant, a wastewater treatment center, and done. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's how we I mean, made that's money. That's the traditional side. That's the traditional, you know, way of doing things. You know, uh, when you're talking about the architectural design and and um, uh, economic development, you know. But right. uh, so so, getting back to the campgrounds and things like that, what type of people are you attracting? to these campgrounds, which, who is your target audience? Who's coming out there? What we have, like I said, we have a portfolio we've designed and we have four uh, themed uh, glant grounds, okay? Four RV theme parks. Um, and what our first one is the Old West. The second one is the uh, the mining town. Third one is the, the military base, military camp. And then the fourth theme that we have is the is the is the more luxurious one that is the mirage in the desert or the lake in the desert. <laughs> okay. Um, and so between those four, we're we're able to make a pie. And this is something I encourage a lot of people to look at when they're trying to figure out their market. You make a pie and you cut it into four pieces, maybe cut it into eight pieces, and then you start labeling your pie. Who is your customer? And that's what we did. We started with four pieces and they were off-roaders, family, uh, you know, families uh, with kids, um, adventurers who people like to hike and do natural stuff like that. And then the paranormal community, because we're what? Ghost towns, right? They yeah. are the word ghost and they run straight to us. Right. Now, what we were able to do with those four pieces of pie, we, we cut them again and, and we were able to make eight, you know, a total of eight pieces. Um, and what we try to do is um, make sure that we have, if, if we're going to have eight pieces, that they're, they're pretty much equal in size, which means that we provide exactly what those people need for that level of enthusiasm. And it, what it does is it allows us to not have to spend a crap ton of money, for example, on, on our off-road adventures, because there's seven other things that you can do while you're there, you know? Right. So if only a if only one eighth of our of our activities is off-roading, well, then that's going to only be about one eighth of our budget. And so right. that's the way we structured it and set it up because when you're starting up, you need a little bit of that variety in order to pick what's going to work and not work. And some things are going to pay for everything and some things are going to cost, but it's still right. a cool adventure and it, and, and it does have a, a value. But like, for example, a museum, a museum doesn't necessarily make money, but it is a huge write-off because of all the donations and all of the artifacts that we're able to collect. So um, we, when we started developing this, it went from just being a campground to then servicing not just communities, but other businesses. 
like we support a nonprofit organization on our property. We support an off-road rental business. We support a um, tool rental business because if you're going to go mining for gold, you got to have tools. Mm -hmm. um, we, uh, we support a uh, we support the uh, storage facility on our property as well. So there's about four entities that are connected to the one, and mm -hmm. and that came from trying to understand how how working with other people could achieve the dream faster and get Definitely. us to fruition quicker. Definitely. So, you know, um, you, you answered this a little bit, but what strategies or approaches have been successful in attracting new residents and businesses to the area? Um, well, the fact that where I'm at right now in Arizona, uh, Phoenix has exploded with the population growth and development in the suburb areas of Phoenix. Like for example, where I'm at right now in Goodyear, uh, Goodyear has seen, I believe 22,000 homes built in the last 12 months. That's a lot of houses. Mm -hmm. That's a lot mm -hmm. of people. That's over 55,000 people added to the population of this town in one year. Mm -hmm. So um, the areas that I used to go to when I first got out here six years ago, uh, seven years ago are gone. They're, they're literally warehouses, subdivisions, water treatment plants. They're the stuff that I built, right. you know, and um, I, I was building up until 2021 when I just decided to start building the uh, equity fund. Um, I was building custom homes on one acre lots. I was buying five acre farmettes and breaking them up into four pieces and making one and then selling those as custom home lots. And then mm -hmm. I would as a general contractor, find the builder and, and build the house and then sell it. So um, to answer your question, where are my customers coming from? They're coming from everywhere that we we don't have places to go anymore. So right. the off-roading community is searching for a place to go. By putting water in the desert, it's a, it's an amazing feature. Uh, by 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 having uh, a a you know freshwater lake that we put in we will draw people that just want to be a part of that in nature. So mm -hmm. finding those people come from Facebook marketplace groups, um, advertising in, on Facebook and, and social media has been uh, instrumental to building my, my construction company. Mm -hmm. And all I've done is just transferred that over to, uh, uh, to the other businesses, the uh, ghost town business. Mm -hmm. So the campground itself, like I said, supports four other businesses and those businesses doing marketing as well. It's basically like network marketing at that point. You got five people talking about one place. So that's been beneficial to us as well. So how important is preserving the historical and cultural heritage of these ghost towns during the revitalization process? It's the key focus of the, of the revitalization. Like we we do a, enough research in the area to know that the area we're on, um, no matter where we put our foot, is going to be historical. Um, what we're trying to do is bring enough people to the area that it brings that awareness uh, mm -hmm. and and allows the uh, the people to have a voice when they want to put a highway through what used to be a stagecoach trail. You know, right. so right. if there's no one out there witnessing it there's no one about to speak about it so it's it's almost like having a grassroots uh political advocacy group going so um when when we go out there uh we document everything we find and see 
we use that to write a uh, white paper on and we use that to submit through the nonprofit, which we then use to try and get in front of political uh, um, uh, the political powers that be to help us bring awareness to the fact that, for example, we want to limit the amount of uh, solar panels in a certain area because that area is uh, Native American sensitive. It was yeah. either a tribal burial ground or a tribal village at some point, and and there's there's evidence there that proves that that would have never been found had we not been out there off road and camping, right. you know, and 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 doing what we call uh, redneck games. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, a lot well, I know of, here. A lot of what we did. Hmm. I know here in Florida. Um, I used to do a lot of um architectural uh excavating and things like that for the Seminole Indians, you know, uh, Indian burial mounds. And we have regulations in place where we can't disturb those. You know, is that the same thing out there in Arizona and stuff? Um, well, you have to enforce it. And that's part of our nonprofit organization. Um, it has to be found and then it has to be it has to be fostered. Um this is a business model that's existed in Arizona since the creation of, of uh, the, the uh, Land Conservation Act that Theodore Roosevelt passed. Um, Teddy Roosevelt was a big conservationist and he made a lot of landmarks, specifically like the Grand Canyon. Uh, he's seen Yellowstone and said, we're done exploring and we're done fo foresting. We need to do conservation. So yes, to answer your question, we're very keen to what we have, but there's spots in the desert that go back to the 1500s. They're marked on a map and there's no national protection to that or state protection to that at all. So huh. we that's what we do with our nonprofit organization. And we we use the we use the ability to convert say for example if we found a hundred and four, we found a, um, a a bit of ruins with this uh petroglyphs on it for example right. it might be attached to 120 acres of an old ranch that goes back to the mid 1800s wow so i'll have to buy the entire 120 acres right but then i i can then at that point pinpoint the the entire spot on that five acres unfortunately what happens is is the the state or federal government if they want to uh, use eminent domain yeah yeah they won't touch that five acres but they'll use the rest of the 120 so how yeah. do i do how do i do preservation of the area around that that five acres uh and the best way to do that is make it economically viable and more viable than say, for example, a, a solar panel farm sending solar power right. out to, to Oregon, you know. Right. Okay. Um, so okay. that's how we went about uh, getting into the preservation is using that five acre spot to then give uh, people a place to come and enjoy it. Um, and then adding to it like the, the tours we, you know, we've got uh, three or four veterans that take people out on on off-roading tours and they you know they we have what we call the centipede trail you get in the golf cart on steroids the the, the polaris razor or the can-am mm -hmm. and you follow a, a a military veteran out into the desert and on the stagecoach trails and and through all of the gold mining areas and then back to the camp so 
that's one of the features we have at, at our ghost town place right now. And that's been drawing a lot of attention. That is very interesting. Very interesting. So what role can the commute can community involvement and engagement play in revitalizing these rural abandoned ghost towns? Well, like I said, a lot of these people, um, it's it's where for a lot of these people, it's where they go to recreate. You know, uh, we, we we need as hard as we work throughout the day, whether that's at our home office or out in the field in a in a uh, construction uh, type setting. Uh, people just work really hard, and they want to have, have a place to re relax and 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 enjoy themselves. Um, if you don't supply people with a structured place to play, mm -hmm. they find their way to play wherever they want, and mm -hmm. that's how. To me, that's how re relics and 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 areas that, that are sensitive can get ruined at the same time, because just like we have, you know, the solar panel farms out there you know, going over the top of, say, a, 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 a historical village, somebody in a, in a, in a off-road vehicle as strong as a Can-Am or a Polaris uh, can destroy an entire uh, uh, site uh, just thinking it's a cool place to do donuts. Um, right. And, and, right. And just wipe away 5,000 years of history that fast. Um, mm. So... That's the other side of why we're doing what we're doing, because we want to provide trail education, trail safety, um, and bring people into this community. Uh, like I was saying before, we want you to check in like it's the Ritz-Carlton, come out, sleep in the tent, drive the car, right. and then check out and go back to civilization, because uh, we're only about 30 minutes out of town. So, okay. So how can partnerships with local and regional organizations as well as government entities support this revitalization project? The, uh, the, as they say, the uh, rinse and repeat model has been excellent. You know, the community involvement, everybody's support that we're getting uh, from the government on down to local small businesses um, is that when we go to the next place to do this again, there's already an awareness to what we're doing and those people there um, welcome us with open arms and, and they they want more from us um, and, and we can provide more for them because they're aware of what we can do. You know, it's right. not like starting over again. It's almost like going into it with a, you know, like a fix and flip instead of a new build. You know, new builds are easy because you can, you can cover your mistakes up, but when you go into a fix and flip uh, in construction, that's a term for getting a, a, a fixer up property and flipping it to an investment. Yeah. Those yeah. get tricky because you can't cover mistakes up as good, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, no, it sounds, it sounds, um, you know, and plus the fact having some proven successes helps a great deal in convincing those that might've been very skeptical at one time, you know, um, what are some, some success stories of revitalized rural ghost towns? What what are your successes that you can talk to? I mean, we 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 really don't have any personal successes as we we were really in our infancy of this, but we okay. modeled ourselves after a couple of places that are very very uh, profitable and and useful to the community. Um, there's places like example is a, a town called Apache Junction. They have a, a replica ghost town uh, that goes back to the late 1800s called Goldfield. And each 
uh, the, the the proprietor who bought the land set up like 15 different buildings in 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 different you know um niches of of like from apothecaries to pottery buildings to old time photography pictures and and as as a owner operator came in and brought that building online it brought that popularity of the ghost town up higher and higher and now you go there on the weekend and it it's you know it's an event every single weekend through the entire winter time you know arizona's got a nice climate but from october until april is really our nice climate time right the summer is not very nice to us but this guy's been able to stay open year round now for the last two years and that's indicative of the fact that there's nothing uh, people want more than some authentic uh, old West ghost town stuff. They want yeah. to see that history. They want to, they want to, I think with the more technological advances we make, the more popular the tangible ghost town becomes because it's an actual uh, a, a product they can touch and feel and smell and see. And it reaches all the senses that the, the AI you know, phone doesn't touch. Right. You know, there's only so much you can get through virtual reality. So I feel like when you can smell the the musty cobwebs of an old 1800s uh, gold mine, I think that's what what really is the attraction for people to 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 go back to their roots or go back to a a simpler time and understand that you know things could be a lot worse. Go look at this place. That, um, but at the same time, from an entertainment standpoint. Um, we have the adrenaline rush of riding in, in, in vehicles doing, you know, in off-road trails, down stagecoach trails. Uh, we have the, the amazing uh, night sky. Uh, there's nothing better than the sunrises and sunsets on, in our desert out here. So there's those, uh, those things that we have out here as well that we appreciate. So um, it's not just about uh, preserving the land or, or making money. It's about um, using the money we make to preserve the land. So, Very so good. that we can have it for future generations. So we're coming up on the end of another episode of Charged Up Studio. And I know that uh, you are also in the fundraising stage of this project. If we have anybody uh, out there who's listening, who's interested in finding out more information on this project or possibly taking advantage of you know uh once you're completed or whatever and and joining you guys how can they get a hold of you my name is tommy d and uh the best way to get a hold of me is uh through our our website invest at buckeyeoz.com and uh i'm also reachable by cell phone i don't know if i'm allowed to to put that out there but sure um uh, you can text or call me uh, to get time to speak. My number is 602-888-9199. That's my personal cell phone number. And um, uh, over the last six months, about probably about six months ago, I took 64 hours of intensive training and, and a 290-question test to become certified in Opportunity Zone Advisement. So that's basically what I do if... If this idea sounds cool, but you don't want to do ghost towns, you want to do public works for a, a, an economically de depressed area, or you know of an economically depressed area that could utilize some uh, big investment money and you just don't know how to get it into that, um, 
give us a you know give me a call i've got uh, i work for an equity firm called independent concepts uh which is the freedom to think and uh freedom thinking is what they do best and so uh but they specialize specifically in opportunity zones um and development of them so anything we can do to 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 spark not only community development in ghost towns but even in you know in towns uh would be amazing right. Well, thank you for joining us, Tommy. Uh, any last tips you want to give our people? Um, when it comes to uh, being an entrepreneur or a person that writes their own check, uh, make sure that you're a better boss to yourself than you would want to have. And uh, in in, 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 don't be the boss that you wouldn't take a paycheck from. Right. So take care of yourself. Take care right. of yourself. Okay. So that concludes our podcast for today. Please leave a review on any of the streaming platforms you are listening to us on or go to Charged Up Studio Facebook page and leave a review there. Charged Up Studio is a product of Marketatomy and Marketatomy Academy, the e-learning system designed specifically with the micro business owner in mind. For more information and to register for our many courses, go to marketatomy.academy. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-A-T-O-M-Y. And once again, this is Dan Oliva with Charged Up Studio. Thank you, Tommy. And we'll be back next week with another exciting guest. In the meantime, go out and have a Charged Up week. You've been listening to Charged Up Studio Live, the podcast with you, the small business owner in mind, with your host, Dana Olivo. Join us every Tuesday as we bring you valuable tips and insights into many of the topics you don't know you don't know about growing a successful business. Please leave us a review on any of the streaming platforms you are listening to or visit us on the YouTube or Facebook page and leave a review or subscribe so you don't miss another episode. You can also support us through Patreon by visiting our website, chargedupstudio.live, and click on the Patreon link. Until next week, go out and have a charged up week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.